Hello, you're listening to the Sydney Writers Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name is Valerie Koo, and you can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre, and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips, and valuable ideas on how to get published. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story, or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Andrew Griffiths is an entrepreneur and author of nine books. His latest is The Me Myth, a book about how to combat the self-obsession of the modern world. He is also the author of the 101 Ways Business Building series of books, including 101 Ways to Market Your Business, 101 Secrets to Building a Winning Business, and most importantly, 101 Ways to Have a Business and a Life. There are eight books in total in the series, and they've all been incredibly successful both in Australia and overseas. Andrew has a real passion for small business and has worked in a huge variety of industries. He started with a paper round at the age of seven and has since sold encyclopedias, owned his own scuba school and retail shop and worked as a commercial driver. He is a highly sought-after speaker for small businesses and corporates. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Oh, pleasure, Valerie. Now, you've always worked in small business in some way. What is it about small business that makes you want to keep doing it and to write so much about it? I think small business is one of those kind of things that just gets under your skin in some way. Uh, I mean, there's so many people that are that are in small business and it, it becomes a such a passionate thing for them. Often they've fallen into it. They've it's been their dream since they were a kid. Uh, I think it's it's just something for me that's been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. I started my first business when I was uh, about seven, when I was selling newspapers. <laughs> that's right, a, a newspaper round, and it was that was the beginning of the entrepreneurial streak for me. And I realised that the harder I worked and the more creative I was, the more money I could make in terms of getting better tips. Mm. And uh, I think that's how it kind of started. And I've I've never never seemed to be able to cure myself of the ailment since. Now, many people know that your name is synonymous with those fantastic series of books, 101 Ways, where you write about different aspects of small business. But can you just give listeners who aren't so familiar with your background just sort of like some potted highlights of your your background before you got to this stage? Yeah, sure. And thank you for your nice words about the series. It's something that I am really proud of. I think for me, I've never been a writer. I didn't set out to be a writer. I'm not one of those people that I guess had that passion in their life to to dreamed about being a writer. That's come a little bit later on in life for me. As I mentioned earlier, I I started my life uh, entrepreneurially at least in the streets of Perth, really selling newspapers and things like that, and it kind of went on. And part of that was really brought about by my early childhood. I was a, I grew up as an orphan in WA, so I had a, a fairly unusual upbringing, and that meant that I lived in and out of state care and all types of uh, different experiences as a kid, and ended up over in Sydney as well in the same kind of environment. But mm. I actually bought my first real business when I was about 18 years of age. And uh, back in the days when you could actually do that, Valerie, you know, walk into a bank and say, I'm 18, I've got no money, can someone lend me some mm-hmm. pile of cash and I'll go and buy a business and they used to give you a cheque and send you on your way. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, and so I, I bought a business and it was uh, a dive shop in Sydney, of all things. And I had no idea how to run a business. I, I knew how to dive at that stage. I'd done some courses and that was a bit of a passion for me. But I, I made every mistake known to mankind time and time again. And it really did get quite ridiculous at stages there. I'd sleep in the dive shop because I didn't have enough money to put petrol in the car to drive home. And, and uh, it, it was a, a calamity waiting to happen. Eventually, though, through a set of circumstances, I guess, it, it, it turned around and I, I learnt from it and went on to do other businesses as a result of that. That uh, Each time learning, I guess, from my mistakes and getting a little bit smarter about what I was doing, and I ended up running and starting and, and being successful in advertising, in marketing companies, in travel companies, and businesses, really, rather than companies. Mm. And, uh, and little bit by little bit, I, I think I kind of realised that there were so many things that I'd learnt along the way. And that's actually something that, that that's how my first my first book, 101 Ways to Market Your Business, really started. I was running my marketing firm and I had uh, people coming in to see me quite regularly who were running small businesses who had really the same kind of problems time and time again. I was having the same meetings and it always felt like deja vu. And what I would do was... Uh, I would kind of talk to them and give them the same bits of advice. So I started to write some fact sheets because a lot of these people didn't actually have any money and they couldn't really afford a consultant. Mm. So I'd give the fact sheets or they could ring me and say, oh, I've got this problem. I need to know how to make a brochure or I need more customers today or I, I, I've got a legal issue. What do I do? And, uh, and all of a sudden I found that I had about 50 of these fact sheets that I was just sending out to people as a, just as a good thing to do. Mm. And I had the idea that, oh, maybe I've got... Uh, enough ideas here for half a book. If I wrote another 50 ideas, I could make a make a book, and and that's how it really evolved. I I put the manuscript together and ended up sending it to a publisher or two, and next thing I know, I had a book contract. Fantastic. So, did you then think that you would write more books after that, and then start speaking about it? No, not in a million years, Valerie. I didn't <laughs> think anyone would even publish it. I, when they actually, Alan and Unwin published the first one. And I had an easy publishing route when you hear about so many people having challenges and difficulties to get published. I, I sent it to two publishers, I believe. And I got a phone call from Alan and Unwin, a lady there called Anne Crabb. And I actually just, I thought it was a local radio station giving me a, a razz because there were friends of mine that knew that I'd sent the manuscript off. So I didn't <laughs> believe. I actually hung up on her the first time because her voice sounded so familiar to one of the local radio people that I knew. And uh, anyway, she rang back and, and pleaded with my receptionist at the time to take my call seriously. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so so it, it was an interesting kind of a uh, interesting kind of a, a beginning, I think. And then, I, I, no, I had no idea. I didn't really know how to write a book. I didn't really know. I just had this vision that, oh, well, they'll just go and publish what I've given them. Yes. And, of course, as anyone who's a writer <laughs> knows or has been published, that is so far from the truth. My initial manuscript that I sent them it was terrible, but they actually liked the idea of what I'd done. My writing skills were terrible. The layout was terrible. The composition, the whole thing was terrible. I'd had uh, the adjective influenza so i had to get rid of all of that stuff and but they really loved the idea and so they we worked on it it came out and it was only after the first one became so successful and became a bestseller in australia that they said have you got any other ideas and i said oh i've got heaps heaps of ideas there's lots of issues for small business that need to be addressed marketing is just one of the most common ones and so next we wrote a book about customer service 101 ways to really satisfy your customers and little bit by little bit, 
we we just kept adding to the series and they let me pick the topics that I thought were the most relevant for small business and the most pressing or the most timely or whatever it may be. Mm. And, uh, and that's how the series really evolved. So then eight of your books have been about business or small business. So what made you then think, you know, I'm going to write The Me Myth, which is your latest book. Tell us about The Me Myth. Well, and that's a, that's an interesting part of the journey too for me. I guess after writing eight, like 101 ways, that's that's a simple kind of a book written that uh, in a way to help people, you open it up at any page and the information is really simple, really practical and it's around a market that I that I know very, very well, mm. uh, the small business owners. But I, I also realise that there's so much about our personal and emotional state of being that ties into our success in business and our success and our joy and love of life and all those types of things. Now, something that, that I do a lot of is presenting at conferences and bits and pieces like that. And I always tell people more about my background and my own triumphs and my own tragedies over the years. And, uh, and it's interesting because uh, I guess when you've lived that life, you don't necessarily think that there's anything unusual or anything extraordinary about it. I never did. I didn't tell anyone about my background until about four or five years ago, really, Valerie. It's mm. just that it kind of came up. I was talking to, I was asked to present to a Cairns Business Women's Network. And, uh, and I said, okay, what would you like me to talk about? Uh, marketing or business growth? And they said, no, no, can you tell us your story? And I said, oh, okay, well, it'll be a short presentation, it'll be five <laughs> minutes. And they said, no, 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 we want to know. We know you've got a bit of an unusual background, so so you know, tell us everything. So I thought about it long and hard, and, I, and that's what I did. I got up on stage to these 200, 250-odd people, many of whom I know, and I told them my whole story from being abandoned as a six-month-old baby to live, growing up with this 75-year-old mad woman and, and, and everything that, that followed through that. And... Uh, and I very openly just talked it through. And, and at the end of this presentation, there were people there hysterically in tears and laughed and hugged. And, and it was an incredible, incredibly emotional kind of experience all around. And it made me realize that, uh, that, that the power we have to inspire other people with our own words and our own experiences. And also this incredible um, uh, power that comes from someone sharing their own inspirational story about overcoming adversity and most people who do overcome adversity I've come to realize don't often understand how valuable that actually is so I started presenting more and more about my own background and, and tied it into business and how I've used my background to overcome challenges in in business and things like that and, and again it, it's really worked very well for me and, and I've really connected incredibly with people and had wonderful feedback from so many people, thousands and thousands of people that read my books or come to events. And, and the me myth kind of came as a bit of a result of that because I have so many people that come up to me and say that you had such a challenging life right through, yet you're, you're not bitter and twisted. You're, you're so positive. You're so enthusiastic. You're so optimistic. You're, you're all of these incredible things. How on earth can that be? And I, and I, often ask myself that same question because my sister who had a similar childhood to myself and had a tough life she died very young she died at the age of uh, of 35 from mm. uh, i call it a broken heart but it was mm. a heart attack mm. which is really unheard of uh, for people to die so young particularly mm. uh, a lady i believe and and so and you know, we had the same upbringings, but we dealt with it in a different way. And, and it just made me, I guess, look at myself and go, well, okay, how have I learned to cope? And I realized that it was uh, this, this ability to say, well, don't make it all about me. 
You know, it's not all about me. Just learn to focus outwards instead of focusing inwards and, and your life changes perspective. And I looked around at other people that I admired in the world who were incredibly successful. Who, and what I mean by that, for me, it isn't about money. It's about people who live rich and rewarding lives and, and they are great contributors to the world and to society. And they shared this wonderful you know, this characteristic that, that, that life was not just about them. They gave selflessly of themselves. They, they, they were incredible contributors in every way. And, and I, and I realised that it's a powerful thing to be able to focus outwards instead of making everything all about us as individuals and focusing inwards. And that's why I call it the me myth, mm. uh, Valerie, because I think that, that we are so conditioned these days inwards. We're so bombarded with, with media telling us what to think, how to think. We're, we're over-analyzing ourselves in so many different mm. ways that it becomes overwhelming after a while. And, uh, and if we really want to grow as individuals, I, I believe we've got to change our perspective. And anyway, that's what I've done in my life, and it's, it's had really profound effects. So was it <clears throat> difficult to write? Because it is quite a different approach to the short, sharp one, 101 ways to writing something that is uh, a lot deeper and a lot, a lot more personal. Um, how, how was it during the writing process? Yeah. It was interesting, I, and 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 again, thank you for your insight into, into seeing the difference between the t- styles of books. It is a very personal kind of story, and I, and I really don't hold back in terms of sharing my experiences. But what was challenging for me, I guess, was not the emotional aspect of writing about some difficult times in my life, because I've kind of come to terms with so much of that, and I do try and look at it in a in a, in a fun kind of a way, in a strange way. Mm. But it was interesting what came back into my memory. I, I mm. could uh, remember so much, which, you know, we think about things that happened 30 or 40 years ago, and, and they're kind of a memory, or for me at least, it's a blurring memory Mm. but when I actually sat down to focus on them and to write about it I was amazed at how vivid the memories became Mm. one incredible example for me which really was quite bizarre was I I got abducted as a child my sister and I got abducted by 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 a lady that had lost a plot a few streets away and couldn't have children and just had had an emotional meltdown and she was dragging us up the road she came and grabbed my sister and was dragging my sister out of the house and up the road and um and I went to try and free my sister I was only tiny tot five years old something like that and I was was punching this lady on on her leg or something you know trying to free my sister from her and uh, but it was what was amazing. I as I was writing this, I could remember what colour clothes my sister was wearing, what I was wearing, what mm. this lady was wearing, the colour of the frangipanis on the trees down the stairs as we walked down, the colour of the path, the, the car. It was almost like photographic recall. Gosh. And uh, it was it really did amaze me how, how vivid that was. That whole experience, right through to the police getting involved in a siege. Under, mm. that underwent and followed this whole craziness that, that came as a result of it, the vivid details that came out of it. And I think so many of the things I wrote about, that really did come out for me a lot, the, the, the vividness of my, my recall, which I'd never, never really experienced up until I sat down and spent hours and hours writing and just thinking about it. And there was also a lot of time spent on many other parts of the book just thinking, mm. just sitting with my hands on my belly and kind of... You know, just putting a little bit of thought into how much of this I want to say and what do I want to try mm. and get across and, and, and that type of stuff. And because the meme, is, it actually started out as two books, Valerie. It's, uh, with Simon and Schuster, we spoke about the concept of, of doing my autobiography mm. and then a self-help book. Right. And, uh, and I, 
and I've always felt a bit uncomfortable about doing a, an autobiography because I'm only 43 and I, I kind of don't think I've done enough. <laughs> and it's uh, and it's a bit, I don't know, just for me it's a little bit like, oh. From the sounds of it, it looks like you've been through enough for an autobiography. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> I don't know what the qualifications are really for that, are they? But, but Simon Schuster said to me, hey, how about we combine the two and make this an autobiographical uh, self-discovery kind of book? And I said, yeah, well, I like that because... Again, I, I don't want it to be or to feel like it's just a, an ego kind of book of me just just talking about my own background and without a purpose. I want this to have a purpose. I want it to help people and I really want people to be able to use the things that I, I talk about. And that's how it all came, came out. So, so that's a long answer to your question, <laughs> but it was a very interesting journey. And, uh, and I, felt, I felt very, very good when I typed the last couple of words. Oh, thought, yes. yep, I'm really happy. <laughs> what was the most challenging part of that journey? Um, deciding what to put in and what not to put in about other people. Mm. That was hard. My sister in particular, she, she, uh, she had a, a very challenging uh, life in terms of she had been raped, she'd uh, been sexually abused uh, in a household that we were living in and things like that. And, and that's, that's really hard to decide what extent you put that stuff in. Mm. Um, you know, she, as I said, she's passed away now. And, you know, do I want to bring that up? Do I just let it lie? And, and I did bring it up and I, and I believe that that it's important to, to talk about those type of things. So that was probably the hardest part for me. And, and really deciding, again, whether you want to name the people that have uh, had a negative and a positive influence on you in your life. And, and, uh, and, and some of those kind of moral equations that kind of are worth thinking about and worth pondering. With my business books, as you rightly pointed out, Valerie, that stuff just really came out of my head and I could sit mm. down. I don't have to research a, a 101 ways. It just is there, just mm. from my own experience. It just pours out of me. I get down, sit down on my laptop and I can write those books really fast and, and I'm really, it is just quite, everyone is amazed at how quickly and how easily it comes out. Mm. The, the me myth was much more pondering and much more consideration and just a little bit of wariness, I guess, on how it may affect other people uh, mm. that have been in my life and, and deciding whether or not that's a good thing or not. And I imagine it took much, much, much longer than the 101 books to write. It, 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 it did, actually. Surprisingly, though, I'm, I'm an incredibly fast typist. That's my, <laughs> my, my claim to fame. I taught myself how to type because I realised uh, a few years ago that if ever I, if I'm, this writing thing seems to be something that is going to happen for me, so I better learn how to type. So I taught myself how to type by, by working on my computer in the dark and, uh, and my fingers had to figure out where the keyboards were. So right. it, and, uh, and I don't think it's done much for my eyesight, but it's taught me to be an incredibly fast typist, which is a fallback career for me uh, <laughs> if it, everything else fails. But, um, yeah, and I... I this one did take longer and, and more time spent just sitting and thinking mm. and, and, and discussing. And I had a bit of a brain's trust of people around me that uh, my friends, some very close friends and my partner, Deb, to, to read it and look at it with a bit of a, uh, I guess, a, a fresh eyes and, and mm. just an open mind. And my publisher, my editor, Dioni, she was fantastic as well in terms of being very respectful about what I was writing and also um, I guess very gentle on her advice mm. that this is a little bit too confronting. Mm. Here, are you sure you want to put this in, or um, those type of things were 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 able to be covered in a, a range of different ways. So it, it was really very very. It was a great experience for me, and I I, I really I love it. I, I love the book. I, I 
just this morning I was just flicking through it and uh, and again I, it's something that I, I feel incredibly proud of and uh, a lot of hard work from a lot of areas and I guess it's a nice summation of my life so far. And then there'll be part two <laughs> before well, long. Well, I'll probably do. I'll probably do the memeth in in different arees of life, like right. the memeth in relationships, the right. memeth in business. I, I, I'm a serious kind of a guy, you know. <laughs> that seems to be obvious. I think that's the way my brain works, doesn't it? I'm uh, I'm the perpetual series guy, <laughs> like a serial entrepreneur as well. I guess, that, yeah. And on on that note of being a serial entrepreneur, how many small businesses uh, would you have run in? you know, over the course of your life uh, so I've run and owned probably about 15, I guess I would mm-hmm. say. Um, and working as a, as a marketing consultant for, for hundreds, hundreds if not thousands more, where I've offered them advice mm-hmm. and, and helped people and, uh, and, and played a big part in their role. One of, the, one of the problems that I have in life is that when I have a client, I, I take on everything for their business. And it's at one stage mm-hmm. there, I remember I had about 40-odd clients and, I would, and there's always someone in trouble when you've got that many clients. Mm. So I would lie in bed at night worrying about this business. How is it going to be okay? Are they going to get mm. through? Okay, what can I do? And and then you get them through, and then the next one would be in trouble. And and <laughs> little bit by little bit, it was slowly kind of killing me. So I had to learn to just distance myself a little bit from them. But uh, I'll, I I just love small business owners, and and I, I love the passion that people have for for, for turning their dream into a reality. And and I feel it's an incredible honour to be able to help them achieve that. And uh, often they just need a bit mm. of steering in the right direction and and they just need someone to come in with a fresh pair of eyes to say, hey, you've got all the wonderful components of your business here. you just got to change this a little bit or stop working on your business. Just mm. work on yourself a bit more. You're, you're worn out. You're exhausted. Go and have a holiday. Mm. Come back. I tell more of my clients, <laughs> more small business owners, to go and have a holiday as a business development tool than anything else. There's never a good time. Mm. There's never enough money. There's never, there's always a thousand reasons not to go. So go anyway and come back refreshed, revitalized, recharged. That'll do more for your business than any amount of advertising, marketing, or anything else. Mm. It's very exciting when you can see their potential, isn't it? It is. <clears throat> so with small businesses, are you currently mainly writing and speaking, or do you still run some businesses? I still run my own marketing firm. I've got a few kind of companies. Mm-hmm businesses really that I do different things for but but more so now I mean my writing is really becoming such a big part of my life and I've realized that I that I, I love it I just I do love there is mm. something so wonderful about writing and the power of the written word uh, so I'm a late bloomer in kind of appreciating and realizing that but um, mm-hmm. I, I get it now and and I and I realize that it's a great mm-hmm. medium for me to communicate and, and share some of my own ideas and experiences. So my writing, I have a full schedule. I have ongoing contracts with uh, Alan and Unwin, with Simon and Schuster and some other publishers that are talking to me now about other things as well. And uh, I'm looking at expanding in America. So I've got some uh, potential contracts over there and and with my keynote speaking as well, which seems to take me all over the place and present on a range of things, I have less and less time for consulting but I, and working with small businesses. But I, I make always having a few that I'm working with at least because I think it really keeps me mm. in touch and it keeps me a little bit uh, aware of what's happening. But I do talk to so many business owners at conferences and things. And I love nothing better than mm. having a cup of coffee with someone in the corner and just tell me what's going on in your business, what's happening, what's the challenges, what's working, what's not. 
and uh, and I meet these incredible people that just blow me away with the things they're doing around the world that I just uh, just shake my head in, in admiration of them. And this, we're living in this age of incredible ingenuity and entrepreneurialism that uh, is going to spark a whole world of new books and ideas and things like that. The entrepreneurs of today are, are truly incredible. And the ones that are under 20 are the most incredible of the lot. Really? Why do you think that is? Oh, I think that they've, they get technology. And, uh, and right or wrong, we're in a technological age. They, they don't see limitations. They don't look at technology as mm. a as a problem it's just a part of life that's easy they they understand it they get it they know how to communicate to target markets they they know how to communicate for nothing which is pretty amazing they they know what to say they know you know they've created their own language yeah i mean that's pretty amazing when you think about it so as entrepreneurs they they are truly unbelievable what they have to learn though is that some of the basics of business are still the same no matter how you're communicating and that's things like customer service, customer values, uh, the importance of differentiation, all those things. But they'll they'll get that. They'll they'll get that. But um, yeah, they they certainly inspire me and motivate me. I hard to keep up with them. <laughs> <laughs> so can you <clears throat> can you tell us some of the more interesting or unusual small businesses that you've set up, or you know, or fun uh, ones? Uh, the fun ones, my ones. Probably more for me would be some of the clients that I've had, <laughs> more so than anything as a marketing consultant or publishing company. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I've helped a guy that uh, that he uh, he. What would you call him? I guess you'd call him a tarantula farmer. His job. He went right. out to the wilds of North <laughs> Queensland and he collects tarantulas, and uh, and it's a job that he collects these tarantulas and milks them, and they send the venom over to Princeton University in the States to look for, for all oh types goodness. of uh, wonderful chemical compounds that could use, be used to, for health issues. But he was having a bit of a problem. That's all great. Sounds wonderful. But he gets paid on a royalty basis in about 50 years. So right now he's got to feed himself. Right. So we set up a mail order tarantula business. And, uh, and it was fantastic. Oh. The only problem was every time I had to meet with this guy, he'd insist on bringing in some tarantulas. And, uh, and I had to oh sit in, the, in our boardroom type of thing, watching these tarantulas crawl over the table going, oh, this is just so wrong for so many reasons. <laughs> I've uh, helped um, oh, general stores in the middle of uh, remote areas. I had a, a funny old lady out at a place called Croydon in a remote part of Queensland. And uh, the government sent me out there to help her. And, and uh, she was sitting on the front veranda complaining that no one ever came. No one stopped at her general store. Everyone just kept driving past. And uh, so we, we just spent a couple of hours brainstorming. Pat was fantastic. One old part of this building, they'd closed down because it was just like filled with junk and crap and looked terrible. And, and it was a really nondescript general store. So we, we spent a bit of time. And next thing we had a sign up going, the oldest general store in Queensland. And, and uh, <laughs> because she thought it might be. And we had a free museum. Uh, which was the old junk room. And in a, in a matter of weeks, there's <laughs> trucks and busloads of tourists stopping and ended up in the Lonely Planet or Let's Go Guides and, and on TV <laughs> programs around the world of the oldest general store in Queensland with a free museum. So I'll probably go to hell for that. Fantastic. But we, we had a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, just just every kind of uh, business imaginable from, uh, I don't know, it's, it's almost hard to, to recall them all. I travel a lot 
doing things. I've worked with a lot of Indigenous groups around Australia and Indigenous businesses, um, a lot of online type of uh, businesses. That uh, they're a friend of mine, a client of mine. She took Botox uh, out to Mount Isa, which is an amazing kind of involvement. Oh, she, my God. She, she packed a bag <laughs> and she's a nurse and went out there to the streets of Mount Isa and, and promoted Botox. And she's built this great business around doing Botox injections in the, in Mount Isa. So the, the that's just I bizarre. Know, I know. It, just, it never ceases to, to amaze me, you know, some of the things that, uh, that people come up with. So, uh, and uh, yeah, they blow you away. But, uh, it's just wonderful, <clears throat> really, isn't it? So when you are writing, sitting down and actually writing a book, um, do you have some kind of routine or do you set aside time or do you have to fit it in with all this speaking and consulting and all that? What happens? Uh, it's changed a bit over the years for me. I used to, Writing was just a hobby, so I'd do it after hours. I used to be a late-night writer. I would write all night on a normally Friday and Saturday nights or, or whenever I had the chance. I just got into a bit of a mode. Um, nowadays, I can't do that. I don't have the same energy, I think, that I had before. So I do look at it where if I'm working on a book, I'll, I'll block out two or three weeks at a time and, and kind of spend right. that time writing or go away quite often, which seems funny when you live in Cairns. People say, what do you want to go away for? <laughs> so, well, I'm busy here and I'll get caught up in things here more than I do anywhere else. But um, yes. So now I, I do – I think I – I honour the project a little bit more, Valerie, and I say I've got to work on this book to make it right. That's it. I'm, I can't really do anything else at the moment except just focus on what I'm writing on. And my friends all know, my, my, my family know that when I'm in writing mode, everyone just leaves me alone. And uh, I crank up the stereo right. and, I, and I lock myself away and I go into a bit, of a bit of a crazy zone where I write and sleep, forget what the clock says and just kind of go for it. And, uh, and I really enjoy that as well. I really like that little bit of cut off from the rest of the world and, and just really immerse myself in the project. And, and it's, yeah, there's something really quite pleasant about doing that that just makes you go. It's hard to come out of it at times because you get into this bit of an, an area. And you, when you do walk outside again after even just a few days of doing that, I always find it's like you're coming off a spaceship. You're a bit unkept and unshaven <laughs> and a bit crazy looking and you've forgotten how to talk and all that kind of stuff and come back into the real world. It doesn't take long to remember what you've got to do when you get back here. Oh, yes. <laughs> and finally, I come across many small business owners who, who, all, who think they have a book in them and who want to also publish a book about, you know, their area of expertise or, or whatever. What's your advice to those people? Because it's, it's not that easy just to go land a book contract. It's it? not that easy to go and write a book contract, but I, I do encourage people to do it or to try. And, and I think that that's, that's the real key that, that like me, I've got no qualifications, no, I mean, I went to high school, went to uni for a couple of months. It's not like I'm a, a scholarly kind of a, a scholarly kind of a person from that point of view. So the, the first and foremost thing is that you don't necessarily have to be a great writer to be a, a good business book writer. That's, that's my own personal belief. I think you can learn those skills and I think that you, you work with an editor and, and I think that that's the big mm. part of it. I think the editor's name should go on the front cover of most of my books and I'm, mine should be on the back somewhere in small print. 
<laughs> I, I think the big mistake that, that that many people make is they believe they've got to write the book and then take it to a publisher. And most publishers, mm-hmm. from my experience in non-fiction business, they don't want to see a whole book. They want to see a concept, maybe one chapter, but mm-hmm. they want to see an index page, what the idea is for the book, and and a bit of the rationale about how it comes out, how you're the person to write it and those type of things because what they want to do is they want to be able to play a role in shaping the book in terms of their own their own feedback and their own ideas and what they think the market needs and I know that mm. uh, with my publishers that's certainly what they say themselves when it comes to non-fiction it's very frustrating for them to get a completed manuscript a lot of the time because if it has potential but it's kind of not right it's it's a lot harder to change a full manuscript than it is to shape a manuscript from the beginning so so i would suggest that is a is a really important point and there are some specialist non-fiction business writing um agents now that are that are very keen to help people to get business books published there's a company called uh, 360 uh, agency.com which is they're my agents and they're always looking for new people with ideas um, that, that want to get business books published. So getting a literary agent in Australia is difficult. Getting a, a non-fiction business agent is probably a little bit easier and it's quite a new new area. So, um, yeah, so that's one option. That's three spelled out, T-H-R-E-E, 360, then agency.com. Do a Google search and you'll find it. But um, they'll help you in the point you in the right direction as well. And give it a go. I, I think that's the, the, the last thing I would say, Valerie, is that I think there's a lot of people that have wonderful ideas. And as I showed with the, the 101 series, it's a pretty simple idea, 101 ways to market your business. When you think about it, the 101 mm. books, are simple ideas. But you know, today they're sold around the world, translated in a heap of different languages, all the rest of it, you don't have to come up with the, 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 the crazy title, you know, build a business in a walnut shell type of thing and be, <laughs> be that bizarre kind of uh, title that people think that we're all trying to create. Mine are meat and potatoes mm. books, but they'll be around for the next 20 years and they'll sell a lot of copies mm. over that period of time because they are staples on the bookshelf of hundreds of thousands of business owners. So... You know, that's that's a little bit of my perspective on on titling it, positioning it, and I think something else that, that a lot of publishers are really looking for is they don't really want one-hit wonders. They want people that can create more than one book. They've got one idea, mm. so that there's the longevity. Because once you start to develop a bit of a following, as in any kind of a book, of course, you've got this ready-made audience who, yeah, people they'll keep buying your books. I mean, my 101 series pretty much sell out as soon as we as soon as they're published because there's it's loyal following of business owners in the country that, that already have them and like them and go you know, I've got to buy the next one. I've got to keep the series together mm. the first ones have helped me so this one is there. So it's so there's a lot of information about that but give it a go. That's you know, that's the best best bit of advice I can have. Mm. Well not only good writing advice, good business advice. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, that's thank you very much for your time today, Andrew. I'm sure we could talk for hours, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Easy. Thanks, Bella. I've really enjoyed chatting. We might have to do a series of these. <laughs> I like your thinking. I like your style. Well, I wonder where I learnt that from. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Really nice talking to you too, Valerie. 
You've been listening to the Sydney Writers Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo. You can find us online, including details about our courses, seminars and online learning, as well as information on our regular competitions where you can win books, movie tickets and literary experiences at www.sydneywriterscentre.com.au or visit me on my personal website, www.valeriekoo.com. That's Valerie Koo, K-H-O-O.com. Thank you for listening.